What's going on? Not much. Thanks for calling in. Sorry, my computer kind of crapped out on me there for a second. Okay, no, don't worry about it. Okay, uh, your name is Mike? Yes, it is. Okay, Mike, uh, before we go any further, mm -hmm. I am driving down the road, okay. and I am uh, going through my Bluetooth in my car. So the first question is, does it sound good? Yeah, you sound fine. Okay, because I could switch to holding my phone by my ear. It's not the end of the world. I would rather not, but my main thing is I want it to sound good. So if I need to do that, you tell me. Okay, uh, no, it's a little bit of a rainy night out there. I'd say you're better off with the Bluetooth. Awesome. Well, great. If that changes at any point, just let me know. In fact, if you want to make fun of it during the podcast or laugh about it, whatever works for you, brother. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I appreciate that. And uh, thank you for calling in, Skin. I really appreciate it. For sure, man. So one thing before we get going, I wanted to give you a little bit of background on what I've been doing since, really since towards, initially started towards the end of 2016. Um, I'm just a huge NBA fan, huge Mavs fan, born and raised in Dallas. And I, I created an Instagram account called Forgotten Maverick. And I just started to, I thought it would be funny to post pictures of some like lesser known Mavs or guys that were only here a short amount of the time. And a short amount of time and um, got a little bit of a following. Not not much, a few hundred followers maybe, but some of those guys were um, our former Mavs that follow me and they started commenting on the Instagram pictures thinking that it was really funny and telling me guys to post or asking me to post them pictures of them and I thought that was hilarious. So eventually I kind of just started having some friendly interactions with guys like Mo Ager, Marquise Daniels, Josh Howard and um, just because they were following the account and I asked if I could talk to them and they they said yeah and so I've, I've done maybe 20 something episodes now of just talking to Mavericks from the past and it's been a lot of fun. This is awesome and I'm a little embarrassed that I'm just sort of now getting hip to your scene man. I Someone tied me into a tweet or something a week ago. I was not aware you were doing this but I think it's flipping awesome. Like I love that you're doing this. It's really really cool. Thanks. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I had a follow well on maybe like a month ago. Um, and that, I really, yeah, that was a good, that was a good time. And um, I had Chuck Cooperstein on also because sometimes like, you know, I'm waiting for player, former players to get back to me, but I still want to talk to people that, that I think would be cool to talk to, which is why I reached out to you. And it's just, it's, I also talked to Lee Ellis from the starters and that was a great conversation. I really enjoyed that. You talked to the world's biggest Rolando Blackman fan. <laughs> yeah. That's why I reached out to him because uh, I knew the, the Mavs played a big role in his early NBA fandom. So I, that's, and yeah, we talked for like 45 minutes. It was a really fun conversation. Cool. That's great, man. Yeah. I'm happy and uh, honored, honored to be involved. <laughs> Thanks. So yeah. Is it, so it's cool with you if we, if we get started. Yeah, kick ass. Let's go. Awesome. So one of the first things that I wanted to ask you is you're a Dallas native, right? Correct. Richardson, Texas, baby. The glorious suburb of the north. <laughs> I, uh, my wife and I bought a house in Richardson about a year ago. So I'm, uh, I'm, call you know, I'm talking to you from Richardson right now. <laughs> All right. Let's play the what intersection are you near so I can get a better feel for it. <laughs> um, that's a good, let's see. Beltline and Mimosa. Okay, so you are near Richardson High School. You are on the west side of 75. Correct. And uh, <laughs> that's a glorious area. My dad was a basketball coach at Richardson High School in the late 60s, and one of his players was Pat Kalishaw, whose younger brother, Tim, went on to be a big-time sports writer, cover the Mavericks, 
and now is regularly featured on ESPN's Around the Horn. <laughs> That's really cool. And yeah, also speaking of Richardson High School, the night. Uh, so I talked to Josh Howard probably around Christmas time, and I'm um, sorry. I said I talked to Josh Howard for an interview probably around Christmas time, and uh, he was okay. in Dallas, and he, he mentioned he was going to be – we were just talking about all day plans or whatnot, and he mentioned he was going to be at Richardson High School um, attending a, a basketball game the, next, the, the very next night after we talked. And I live right behind the school, so I said, oh, I said, you know, like, could I come meet you in person and maybe take a picture with you and everything? And he said, yeah, that would be, that, that's fine. So I, I went over there and got to hang out with Josh for a bit. He signed a couple of Mavs memorabilia items for me and we took a picture together. He was a really nice guy. He was really cool about it. Okay. So since we're talking about uh, Mavs history, I'll tie in with my Josh Howard experiences. When he was a rookie, uh-huh. uh, me and Ben were doing the Mavericks postgame show on the ticket and he, he w- we were some of the first media people that he met, and we formed a pretty close relationship with him and kept in touch with him, and I'll hear from him like once every year, 18 months or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he went through sort of a tumultuous time here at the end of his Maverick run, mm-hmm. but I think he was always comfortable with me and Ben and always knew that we would look out for him, and we have a real kind of soft spot in our heart for Josh Howard. He, I, I really, really love the guy. I think he's an awesome, awesome guy. I do too. And I mean, obviously that was really my only main interactions with him was towards the end of, or I guess sometime in December, but you know, just based on what I remember from the end of his tenure here, I, I got the impression that he has matured a lot and he just seems like a really good yep. down to earth dude now. Yeah. I mean, it's hard, man. Sometimes you get bad advice and uh, you know, sometimes, you know, you just, you just need a little more life perspective and you'd handle something differently, but he was a big part of that great Mavericks history in the 2000s when they were, you know, kind of ascending to a legitimate contender and not just like an offensive juggernaut, but a team that could actually win a championship. He was a big part of it. And a really, you know, I call him a sweet kid. In my mind, it's still, you know, 2005 or whatever, but I really, <laughs> really like Josh Howard. Yeah, yeah, I, I do as well. Um, so growing up in the glorious – suburb of Richardson what uh what were some of your early Mavs memories or how, how did you become uh become a fan of the team well so my dad uh was a basketball coach but you know when I was born I see he was out of coaching by the time I was uh, I guess I'd have been five or something like that and went into business with my grandfather and but all of his buddies or not all of them but a bunch of his buddies stayed in coaching um or you know had basketball ties one of them was Billy Tubbs one was Jim Heller that was the, the coach at Baylor. Uh, one of his good friends, John Underwood, is now the assistant uh, basketball commissioner for the Big 12. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those guys in that era, they all know each other and stay together and things. And so I grew up around basketball. I grew up at basketball camps. I coached at basketball camps and all these sorts of things. And when the Mavericks were in their second year of existence, my dad was doing a little bit better financially because he got out of coaching. Uh, and he got season tickets. And so a big part of my childhood from the age of 11 on was he and I going to virtually every Mavericks home game that included, uh, we went to the Moody madness game where only 9,000 people were there. We were sitting three rows. We're sitting three rows from the top, but there was no bad seats in Moody. So it didn't matter. You know, I was there when, uh, Harp had his moment dribbling out the clock against the Lakers. Yeah. We were section 116, 116, row J, seat 7 and 8. 
And uh, that's a big part of my childhood was growing up with the Mavs. And so, like, if you start talking about forgotten Mavs, I think a lot of people start talking about the Mavs of the 90s. But for me, I always think of the Mavs of the 80s because that's, that's my childhood. And those were some really, really fun teams. Absolutely. And I actually, I think I'm going to be talking to Scott Lloyd in the pretty soon, actually. Scott Lloyd actually broadcast the Moody Madness game, I believe. I think it was him and Alan Stone that were doing that, were calling that game. I could be wrong on that. I, I think, but I'm pretty sure Scott Lloyd called that game. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I have, uh, I, I became a, a Mavs fan probably by the time I was about nine years old. So around 95 is when I, uh, really got into it. So, you know, I missed out on all the eighties and all that, but, um, I've become interested in, in learning more about the Mavs eighties teams and guys since I've been doing this. So I've actually, um, I'm going to talk to Scott soon. I talked to a guy from the first year team and Stan Petkovich, who was only there for that first season in the team's existence. Right. Um, right. I talked to Charlie Sitton and Uwe Blob. Oh yeah. Okay. So here's a little Charlie Sitton for you. Charlie <laughs> Sitton was on the cover of wait wait where do you go Oregon or Oregon, was he, State. Oregon? he was Oregon Oregon State yeah. and he was on the cover trying to defend a shot in the NCAA tournament as Kansas State's Rolando Blackman was shooting a jumper over him that's a cover of a Sports Illustrated and that probably would have been in 19 spring of 1981 I believe yeah I, I think you're right uh, yeah we, brief, we briefly talked about that and um, yeah he also I think in like the summer of 84, he played in the Pan American games with Michael Jordan, Chris Mullen and uh, a few other guys. And I just, I, I, I didn't know that. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, well, he was a second round pick of the Mavs, right? Yep. Yep. And he only played yep. in the NBA one season, but he was, he was a really nice guy. One of my favorites. Um, did Uwe Blob tell you about flipping off Bobby Knight? No, it's funny. I asked him if he had any, funny anecdotes about Bobby Knight and he just said he said oh I know you're fishing for something juicy I'm not going to tell you anything <laughs> that's what he told me <laughs> okay so uh so um you know what happens Mike is you get old like me and your brain starts turning to mush and so I start having like you know we start talking about this I get these flood of things that pop back into my mind I don't remember the context but there was a real famous picture of Uwe Blob flipping off Bobby Knight when he was at Indiana. Oh, and wow. if I remember correctly, I think I think the draft that the Mavs got Uwe Blob, they had three first-round picks. It was Uwe Blob, Bill Winnington, who was the center at St. John's with Chris Mullins. Mm -hmm. He's a Canadian. He still does uh, work for the Chicago Bulls. Yep. And he was known as the guy that waved the towel, the reunion rowdies. And then I believe Detlef Shrimp was like, the eighth pick in that draft. And I, I think that was that draft, all three of those guys together. But it's kind of funny because, you know, for all the reputation that ah, Nelly just wants to draft these big European white guys, hell, the Mavs were doing that in the 80s. They had three draft picks and they drafted a German, a Canadian. In fact, they drafted two Germans and a Canadian uh, <laughs> all in the same draft back in whatever that was, 85 or whatever that was. But yeah, Uwe Blob, uh, that was a different era. You know, you, get, you had to get you a big back-to-the-basket center that clogged things up. Everybody needed one. Yeah, yeah, we talked a little bit about that, too. And, and that was a cool conversation. And I've had uh, – those. yeah, so those are some of the guys I've talked to from the 80s. And uh, I've talked to a lot of guys mainly from – I guess when I initially started – 
from like the mid nineties and on just cause I, those were the ones I was watching every night. But yeah, I mean, one of my, the favorite conversations I had was with Eric Strickland. That was a, I really enjoyed that. And he was one of my favorite guys back then. He's a great, great dude. I do know Eric a little bit. Uh, me and Ben kind of ran into some circles where we sort of knew him for mm-hmm. a while. Uh, ben was really good friends with Tony Dumas. I knew Tony pretty well and hung out with him a little bit. We weren't working in media yet, but in the middle of all that three J's controversy, me and Ben were hanging out with Jamal Mashburn and Tony Dumas and Donald Hodge and all those guys. <laughs> and um, we actually have a rap video from when we were in a rap group back in the nineties and Mashburn and Donald Hodge are in, are in the video with us. <laughs> oh man. I didn't even, I never knew that. That's hilarious. That's really funny. You had no idea I was going to be talking about that kind of crap on here. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I've, it's been a, a fun process talking to these guys, and I'm excited to talk to you. Um, so I, I did, you know, I was obviously familiar with you from all the Mavs telecasts, but I saw you graduated from North Texas, and my dad actually went there too. What events transpired after, you know, like after once you're done with college that eventually led you to, you know, being at the ticket and then moving on to the Mavs from there? Yeah, it's a really weird confluence of events. So Ben and I went to high school together, and uh, I was definitely a wayward lost soul as an 18-year-old. I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do, and I flunked out of college because I partied too much, to just be blunt with you. Mm-hmm. And then uh, me and Ben, when we were 20, started a rap group because that's a really smart thing to do. <laughs> and so uh, it was me, Ben, and another guy we went to high school with, Chris Alvarez, and we kind of got involved in the local rap scene and I mean it's all relative but we did fairly well got some significant gigs and opened up for Naughty by Nature and MC Light and Pete Rock and CL Smooth and all these sort of groups of the day and almost signed a label deal uh, almost worked out but when we got to about the age of 25 you know back then it was way different I started feeling like all right you know I'm 25 this career hasn't happened. I'm not a college graduate. What am I going to do? Me and Ben both went back to college and I went to North Texas and I was in the radio TV film department. And even though I work in both radio and TV now, I took nothing but film classes. I could have never imagined what I would be doing later. Ben went and got a job or went went and got a marketing degree and started selling TV advertising for the station that had the Mavs. Back then it was a station called K-Star. Yep. All they K-Star had was the Mavs. Like, <laughs> right. Ben, yeah. ben was like the sales guy for them. And so uh, when the Mavericks were bought by Cuban and moved over to Channel 11, he went over there to sell advertising and had made some contacts. And, you know, at that time period, you know, there's there weren't a lot of guys. The Internet was a different, you know, space. And there, quite frankly, weren't a lot of guys that were – out there that were really knowledgeable about things like the collective bargaining agreement. And because I was a nerd and had nothing better to do, I knew the collective bargaining agreement rules. So you'd have these legitimate NBA beat writers that would write these trade columns. And I'd be like, well, that ain't even possible. You you don't even know the rules. What are we doing here? (laughs) So I kind of early on before the internet had really kind of enabled like a Bill Simmons to do what he does or whatever. Um, I had kind of, you know, carved out a niche of someone around here locally that kind of knew his stuff. And Ben got us the opportunity. Uh, you know, he was really good at that sort of thing. And 
So we came together and started getting these basketball show opportunities, and we were on Fox Sports 1190, which wasn't around very long, but it was around long enough for us to be able to put together a demo tape and send it to the ticket. They liked it. They gave us the Mavs postgame show, and we were off and running with no radio, real radio experience, no real training, just a couple of guys that had good rapport, had good chemistry, uh, had a strong basketball knowledge, and we kind of carved a niche out really quick. And uh, we were at the ticket for seven years or whatever that was and kind of built up a reputation as uh, guys that really knew their basketball and cared and had a sort of a reverent sense of humor and uh, got a full-time radio gig in 2008. And I, we had known Cuban for a long time. And kind of for a couple of years, I think Cuban had wanted to energize the TV broadcast with maybe a, a more unique voice, not than what the Mavericks have, but than what was traditional in general. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you look at every, if you looked at every NBA broadcast, let's try something new and different. And I think Cuban knew that I, even though I was kind of a weird dude, I really knew my basketball and I wasn't going to go out there and humiliate him. Uh, <laughs> was not what I was talking about, but I could still try to, you know, do something different and kind of weird. And, uh, you know, I was friends with Followell. I'd known Bob for a long time. So they added me in January of 2009 and I've been on ever since. That's really cool. I, yeah, I just find that interesting how that all unfolded. And uh, I mean, I'm guessing that's got to be like a, a dream job for you a dream come true and let me tell you something mike i gave you even though it was long-winded i gave you like a seven minute answer to what's really a 90 minute answer (laughs) i mean there's a you know nuance and events and things that transpired and ways that we built up our credibility and and proved ourselves and things like that but what i just gave you was i gave you the quick version of how you get from point a to point b basically and it was very unconventional and very weird and now here it is almost 10 years later, I'm still doing it. That's awesome. And at what point, because initially you were just on the TV broadcast for the home games, right? Yes. At, at what, um, point, what point did you move on to doing the road games too? Well, you know, still I just do select road games that don't interfere with the Ben and Skin show. Because gotcha. one of the things that Ben and I really believe in is we believe in the chemistry of us being in the same room. And so if I went on all the road trips, I'd be gone all the time and it would torpedo our radio show. And that's really not fair to Ben. It's not fair to me. It's not fair to our radio station. They're very nice to let me leave at 540 on game days to go do it. But if if there's a game in San Antonio on a Saturday night, I can easily go do it. Or I went and did a Minnesota game this year. Uh, On March 13th this year, because the, the, the Fox needs me, I'm going to fly to New York to do one game and just use a vacation day from the radio station. I've always uh, – now, it's worked out really well for me and Ben because in 2011, we were on ESPN, and that was the flagship station. And me and Ben went to every single game, home and away, for that 2011 playoff run. And that was, you know, probably the greatest two months of my professional life. And because of my association with the Mavericks, Ben was able to come along too for every step of the way. And it was a real special thing for he and I. And I think it was sort of the moment uh, where our radio show kind of got its footing a little bit. You know, we'd, we'd kind of been trying to break through. And I think us being able to be there for that and then that being sandwiched by two Texas Rangers World Series trips that we were there for every step of the way really kind of 
put us on a platform where our radio show could get some footing and we could really make a name for ourselves. So it's been a great thing uh, for me personally. It's been a great thing for our show. It's worked out great for Ben as well. And uh, I, I always feel appreciated by the Mavericks have always made me feel appreciated and uh, they love Ben a lot too. So it's worked out really great for us. Absolutely. And that's, that's really cool that you got to be there for that whole two month run. And um, it's funny. I, yeah, I, I was living in Chicago during that, that, that 2011 run, but I watched every single game. I was praying that it was going to be the bulls in the finals and not the heat because I was of the mindset was like, I am going to put tickets on my credit card and worry about it later. If it's in Chicago, I'm going, but it didn't, it didn't work out that way, (laughs) but that was definitely what I was thinking. Yeah, Yeah, no, it was. I I think the thing that made it so great, Mike, was that, you know, we all liked the team a lot, but you know, me personally, when Karan Butler got hurt, kind of let the wind out of my sails a little bit. I mean, I still thought we'd be a good team. I thought we'd be tough to contend with, but I wasn't thinking we were a championship team. I was thinking, man, if we can get to the Western Conference Finals, that'd be awesome. But once the thing started building, uh, once we beat the Lakers, I was 100% certain that we were going to the finals. And quite frankly, when we won uh, game two, uh, I thought we were going to win the whole thing. Oh, man, that's I wish I had been as optimistic. I was very worried after game three. I thought sure. at the time, because, you know, you always hear, like, when it's tied 1-1, whoever wins game three wins 80% of the time. It's some high number. I don't know how high it is. But, um, yeah, that's just something that I, I remember thinking that. I was very nervous after game three. There was some sort of, like, uh, I don't know, spiritual thing going on with that team. And uh, Ben and I owe the Mavericks forever for this. We were staying in the same hotels they were, and we were around them all the time. And, and you could just sense it. And mm-hmm. so, okay, I just want everybody to know that I'm doing this podcast in my car and there is a car driving the wrong way down the highway towards me. So I am going to get in the left-hand lane and not lose my train of thought about what an incredible year 2011 was. Man, what a weird thing to see on the highway. That okay, so let's get back strange. to 2011. <laughs> yeah. um, there, there was a thing that, that was happening where you just – you know, you know, in the the real most incredible moment to me about that whole thing was Corey Brewer at the beginning of the second half of Game One against the Lakers. Mm-hmm. You know, that was coming after you know overcoming the Brandon Roy thing in Portland, and there was something about that Corey Brewer thing where you just start thinking, man. Uh, who knows where this thing is going? And, and them just destroying the Lakers in game four, the Mother's Day massacre. <laughs> that was, I mean, I did not in any way at that point, I'm, I'm being as, as honest with you as I can, I did not in any way at that point fear the Oklahoma City Thunder. Like, I, I just didn't. I was like, it's on now. We're going to the finals. It, this is on. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know what I thought. I, uh, you know, going into the finals, I probably thought the Heat were going to win it. But when we won game two, I was just sitting there thinking, this is, this is a sports story. This is dirt. This is people coming together. This is the character of Tyson Chandler. Uh, this is a really miraculous thing. And then if you were around it, you absolutely believed. Absolutely. That was a, just such a magical summer. And uh, my roommate at the time in Chicago was from Dallas, too. So we were just having so much fun watching the games. And uh, that's so cool that you got to experience that firsthand. 
An another thing I wanted to ask you is just like, what is your, like, what kind of work do you do to prepare for, for your work on each, um, each, let's just say each home game? Yeah. So here's the deal on that. That's an interesting question to try to answer because I never really stop working. If that makes sense. Um, you know, all three of our jobs, my job, Followell's job, and Harper's job are all very different. Mm -hmm. The one is in no way to try to belittle the work that me and Hart put in. We work hard at our job, but the one who's just buried in it is Mark Followell. And that's not taking also into account, you guys got to imagine the amazing work that the, the show producer Dave Keeney does, the director um, Clay Armstrong do. You know, the associate producer, producers, guy like Diz and, and Kegs are some amazing guys and gals that work on the Mavs broadcast that all help out in this. Mm -hmm. But because of my job, I, you know, my day job is this talk show. I'm constantly absorbing information. And, you know, I have a passion for the NBA and the Mavericks that if I was working in accounting somewhere, I would put in the same amount of reading and consumption. So I will zero in on certain storylines. Like I'll, uh, you know, if we have a game that day, you know, my role on the pre and post game show have been expanded quite a bit in the last two seasons. Mm -hmm. So I talk to the pre and post game producer, usually around 11 or 1130. And we talk storylines that matter to the game and matter to the NBA. And then once we kind of zero those in, I go and read some more, but there's not a day that doesn't go up or go on that I don't wake up and immediately read Maverick and NBA news first thing in the morning while I'm drinking coffee. That's just a part of my life. So it's really hard to zero in and go, at 4 o'clock I do this, or at 5 o'clock I do this. I'm always doing something to expand my knowledge base. And then once I talk to the other people on the show, I become more uh, focused for that specific game. But in terms of like an approach and specific things, I think Followell and Dave Keeney are the guys that are the most organized. And what the, the job that Followell does is just brilliant. I mean, he's so good at what he does. I, I just, I, you know, everybody likes him, and they always got a great voice and a great call. But, you know, I, I doubt there's that many play-by-play -play guys in the NBA that are contributing statistical uh, threads that are going to be used in a broadcast to the degree that Mark Followell does. He is way on point and way good at his job. Really, really awesome. That's really cool, and I can definitely relate to consuming as much Mavs material. I mean, I'm guessing you probably do more than I do, but part of the reason I even started that Instagram and uh, eventually the, the podcast and Twitter account and all that is because I just I spent so much time on uh, NBA Twitter and NBA Instagram, mainly because of my job, because, I, I mean, I work in digital advertising, but a lot, of, a lot of my job was just, like, waiting for data to come so I could prepare reports for bosses and other people that I report to. But during that time that I was waiting, I was just like consuming all this NBA information. And I eventually just thought, well, I was like, well, maybe I can start something because I'm spending all this time on here anyway. And I love it so much. And that's basically how it, what really got me thinking of something that I could do that might be a little bit different. Um, mainly because I don't think there's a lot of like team specific NBA history stuff out there. No, I, you know, and I, I think it's, uh, you know, what I hear in you, Mike, is I hear a lot of myself. I just came along at a different time period, and there was really probably an easier path for me to carve out a niche on the level I did than it is now. Now there's, it's harder to find your niche. And I think it's really interesting that you found the niche and you're cultivating it. 
but you know, you're not that different from me. You're doing this because, you know, the main reason they put me on the Maverick broadcast is because if you listen to our post game show, you know, for the seven years before I was put on the broadcast, you knew number one, I was knowledgeable. Number two, I did the work. Number three, I was passionate. And number four, I loved it. And, you know, people talk about homers and this kind of concept, and I get it. Some are unbearable. But the main thing is that if you're listening to our broadcast, there's a greater than zero chance you love the team. So I feel it. I feel that it's important for people to know how passionate I am about the game and how much I love the game. And I feel like that combined with my sort of weird approach or quirky sensibility or <laughs> unconventional nature or whatever you want to call it, that's what I contribute. Um, and that's why it's important for me to, to love it and be passionate about it and make sure everyone hears that. Cause that's what my goal is. Uh, that's what they want me to do. And I love being in a position to be able to do it. Yeah, that, that's really cool. And I mean, you guys do a great job. I, you know, I watch, uh, Every game, even even in seasons like this one, I'm uh, I'm parked on the couch and I'm watching every game. If I'm not at the stadium um, uh, for home games, I'm actually I'm going to the game tomorrow night with a friend of mine. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll be nice. Well, you need to uh, you got my number. Let's not give it out on the podcast, but you need <laughs> to uh, holler at me while you're there, man. Let's hang out. That would be incredible. I will definitely uh, take you up on that. I, I'd love the chance to meet you in person. That'd be really nice. Thank you. Hey. It's not going to be nearly as cool as checking out a Richardson High School basketball game with Josh Howard. It's, it's not going to rank with that, but, uh, but I'd certainly love to meet you in person. Thanks. Yeah, I'll, 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 uh, I'll definitely hit you up tomorrow. That, that'd be really nice. So a lot, of, a lot of things that I do on this is I like to, when I'm talking to former players or, former, or guys like Mark or Chuck Cooperstein, is I, I like to quiz them a little bit on little – roster trivia um from seasons in the Mavs past are you down for some of that I'm down for it but I, I'm gonna be honest with you I'm sniffing 47 years old and I do not have the steel trap brain that Mark Folliwell and Chuck Cooperstein have but I will certainly do my best and God bless you if you put multiple choice in there <laughs> it's not multiple choice but I wanted to see I'm like I, I like to ask to see how many players a certain individual can name from some teams past so when I'm talking to some former players I ask them about a season that they were on the team so right now I'm looking at the the roster for the first year the team was at the American Airlines Center so back in 0102 there's 20 names on okay. it for guys that played a regular season game either all 82 or even just one I wanted to see how many of those 20 names you can name okay I'm gonna guess that I can name five Oh, I'm wow. gonna name Dirk. Nash, I'm gonna name Dirk Nash and Finley, and I'm trying to. So the years run together to me. Is Nick Van Exel on that team yet? Yeah, he is. Okay, so you got Sean Bradley. Wait, Sean's on that team. Yep. Wait, yeah, yep. Sean. Sean's right. on that team. Um, you've got uh, Nick Van Exel. So Ray LaFrance is on that team. Correct. Okay. Um, let me think about this. Uh, is that, um, I, I don't think Adrian's there yet. Oh, yeah, one or two. Adrian okay. There. Adrian's there. Okay. Um, we said, uh, I'm, yeah, bear with me here. I mean, <laughs> oh, 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 Buck, is Buck on that team? Buck's on that team, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah. 
I was okay. actually going to have an interview with him, and then uh, he, he got hired by Grizzlies, and uh, I think he's got a different set of priorities now. <laughs> he does, but I will hold his feet to the fire. In fact, he's going to move not too far from me coming soon in the summer, so I will make him come on this podcast. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, okay, so how many do I have? What is that, eight? Eight, correct, yeah. Okay, man, this stuff all runs together to me. Um, yeah, I, I can know, imagine. I mean, I'm sure I'm forgetting some significant players. Um, crap. So I'm trying to remember the years in which Leitner was there and Leitner wasn't there. Leitner's not on that team. No, this was, uh, um, yeah, this was the year before. Okay. Um, man, I might be petered out unless you can give me a hint or two. Um, so some of the guys were traded to Denver for uh, Van Exel and, and Rafe, if you remember who was included in that trade. Yeah, so that was uh, expiring contract guys, right? Um, Jawan Howard. Mm-hmm. Um, who else went there? A former all-star that was with Miami was included in that trade. He was uh, a big part of the Heat in the late 90s. Uh, it played for us. Yeah. He was a mm, guard. You got me, man. Tim Hardaway. A guard. Tim Hardaway. Crap, I'm sorry. I can't <laughs> believe I forgot him. Yeah, as you can tell, these years all run together, man. Um, yeah, that was when uh, Nelly was calling him his son. Boy, Tim Hardaway was very mad when they traded him, too. I remember um, that. I remember reading that. I don't know any specifics, but that's something that's I do remember reading that. Yeah, he was uh, he was very butthurt over that, uh, and his, his knees were shot by then, though. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Tim Hardaway, Jawan Howard uh, is uh, so somewhere in the mix of there is Calvin Booth. He was on that team, right? No, he left um, after that after that uh, two thousand one playoffs. He, he signed the deal, right? Okay, you're right. He signed the deal. Um, one guy is Crap, currently who else? Okay. Forest. Uh, oh, Danny Manning. Yep. Wait, wait, no, 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 no. Uh, nope. Yeah, Danny, okay, yeah, Danny Manning. Right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, who else? Let's see. We got um, Tariq Abdul-Wahad. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know the deal on him. I, I know I mean, he, that was... he was essentially paid to stay away, right? That was a very contentious situation. Yeah. Um, we got Charlie Bell, who played like two games. I would have never gotten Charlie Bell. I would have, I liked him better when he was Olivier St. John. Oh, Tariq, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, Charlie Bell. Um, I do remember that now. Yeah. Um, so who, who else am I forgetting? Evan Eschmeyer. Oh, God, the <laughs> Northwestern wonder. I wouldn't yeah. have gotten that. We overpaid him. Absolutely, we did. Um, uh, you might be able to hear my uh, musical washing machine in the background. It plays a tune when it's done running. So that was – I don't know if you could hear that. That's cool. It was, just, it was just going pretty loud. Um, Donnell Harvey. Oh, of course, man. He he did not, he could not shoot outside of five feet uh, <laughs> out of Florida. He was one of our first round. Oh, was it Don Thomas on that team? No, he was the year before. Don Thomas was the year before. Thomas, okay. Because he was the same draft as Donnell Harvey, right? So he went with um, – I'm blanking on the name of that shooting guard from 
the West Coast, kind of a pudgy 6'4 guy that never worked out. Um, okay, who else we got? Coach Avery. Okay, yeah, of course. That yeah. makes sense. He was involved in that Denver trade. Yep. And then we got um, Derek Martin. And I remember the name, but I uh, he had a very short short stint here during that season. It didn't last very long. Derek Martin? Derek. Derek, or Derek Martin? Okay. Number 15. And uh, spent some time with the Minnesota Timberwolves as well. Yeah, I knew he was with the Timberwolves. I think, and I think he was with Sacramento at some point too. But um, That sounds uh, right. And then you got Eddie Nahara. Oh, of course. God, he's going to be mad at me for forgetting him. <laughs> um, Johnny Newman. Oh, yes, the Richmond Wonder. Now, he was an older player. He, yeah, that was, that uh, was he had his been final around season. a long time. Yep. And then the last one is uh, Wang Juju. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's funny, man. I mean, you know, what is that, 16 years ago or whatever. So, so many of those teams kind of – run together to me you know and it's like I would have never thought that Evan Eshmeyer and Wong Juju were together in the same season that's pretty funny <laughs> yeah yeah and that's kind of the reason I'm doing this is just to kind of like get people's uh minds working and it's funny when uh especially with some of the former players they forget like they forget people that were on the team and uh they start laughing when they hear some of the names if you um if you ever get a chance to listen to any of my episodes I, I talked to Marquise probably back in like November and uh, he, he was just laughing his ass off uh, when uh, trying to think of the names. And uh, that, that, he had a lot of fun with it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so I would imagine, man, if you have uh, Followell and Coop on here, they're going to get like 90% of it, if not 100%. Those guys are amazing. Well, the one I asked Followell was significantly easier than the one I asked you. Uh, I asked him if he could name all the 2011 maps. Oh, Yeah. And, you know, the thing about it, too, was I was doing post-game show back then, but I wasn't calling the games. But, you know, I mean, I'm telling you, man, you're going to – there's going to be a day where you're like, man, where the hell did my memory go? I used to know all this stuff. You just <laughs> got to go back and refresh. And so what you're doing is you're reminding me I need to go spend some time on uh, basketball reference on the Mavs page and have some fun. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I do, like, on my lunch breaks, like, every day. <laughs> hmm, that's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun, and, and I'm really enjoying it. So, you know, assuming the season ends in six weeks, what what do you got planned once the, the MAP season is over? You know, I actually – it's so funny. Uh, I still have a full-time job, but I get to spend more time with my family on the weekends and at night, uh, you know, get to hang with the kids a little more. And I, I love to play golf, so it gives me some opportunities to go play some golf. Um, so, but, you know, I would – as busy as I stay and – as much as it's just a blur, I'd always much rather it be basketball season than not. Uh, we're going to travel uh, this summer. We're going to go to Maine, and we're going to go to California as a family. So got some travel plans, refresh, and then be back at it. Because, uh, you know, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a Mavs fan. We're going to be better next year. I'm very convinced we will be significantly better. We had uh, some really weird stuff happen this year in terms of the close games. But quite frankly, we needed to rebuild. We needed to reboot. I think we're going to be diligent about how we use our cap space. I think we're going to be diligent with our draft pick. And I feel like we're two years away from Mav fans. Next, you know, the remainder of this season, and the by the end of next season, I think we're going to feel really good about the direction the thing is going. I'm really confident in that. I, yeah, that, that's good to hear. And 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 I agree. I think, uh, I agree. I think uh, this was just a like a perfect storm of 
weirdness this year, but sometimes that's you got to go through that to get back to some good stuff again. So, absolutely, man. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Skin. You know, I really enjoy these conversations, and I was excited to talk to you. And uh, I appreciate you giving me a call. And uh, I'll, I'll shoot you a text tomorrow. That'd be cool to to meet up with you at the game. Let's do it, Mike, and keep holding it down for Richardson, baby. <laughs> I'll do my best. Uh, thanks a lot. Have a great night. All right. Take care, brother. Okay. Bye. Forgotten Marathon. <laughs>